everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hidden Gems Podcast. And this is the show where we look at a streaming service and we try to find the hidden gems on that service that you can enjoy. It's so much fun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. Had a bit of an off week and now we're back and it's really nice to be back. And uh, and before we before we started recording, it was uh, it was like you were telling me about all the things you were doing because you're going to New York and so you yeah. were doing all the preparations and I was just like wow there I, I swear you have that little device from that Hermione had in Prisoner of Azkaban that allows her to be in three different classes at the same time I swear that's you <laughs> when this airs I will be in New York City having so much fun I am so excited not only to get to go to so many shows and get to go to one movie at New York Film Festival uh, but I'm also going to get to see a bunch of my friends uh, who I've worked with but haven't actually met uh, like my friend Conrado who does Criterion Project with me we're going to do a an episode together and we're going to meet for the first time and we've been friends for I don't know, five years or so, a long time. And so that's going to be fun. I'm going to meet Kristen Maldonado, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, and there's there's a bunch of people. So I'm pretty excited about that. What shows are you seeing, if you don't mind? Oh, I, Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, we had one that got canceled uh, because of COVID. So we'll see what I end up actually getting to see. But uh, right now, as of this moment, uh, we're, we're seeing, I'm going to see uh, Hades Town, which I'm so excited about. Uh, I'm going to see Waitress, which I've never seen before. Uh, and then uh, going to see Six and Tina. And then we were going to see Aladdin. That's the one that got canceled. And uh, so now we're going to see Moulin Rouge. And uh, so hopefully nothing else will get canceled, but we'll see. Yeah, I've been to New York three times personally. I, uh, I loved it every time. It, it, I, it was mostly one time it was tourism, but the other two times I was a part of Broadway workshops. And so okay, it was a very, very busy trip filled with shows and practices of practices. But we got I got to meet like Broadway people. They were all very nice. Uh, got to see Phantom of the Opera at the Majestic mm. Theater. Still gives me goosebumps to think that I was actually there and it was in, an incredible experience. Got to saw see a dry run of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. We oh, all know that. what happened there. Yeah, I'm jealous about that. Definitely. You know, it was actually not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be because you <laughs> heard all the horror stories about the poor yeah. actor that fell yeah. off the wire and all of the jokes that Neil Patrick Harris made at the Tonys and even Bono and the Edge were joking about it. It's it's it was like, oh, I was expecting like the room, but for Broadway, but it turned out to be not too terribly bad. And so, yeah, no, I, I think it just got messy, but that I've heard it was actually pretty unique and interesting. And so that's cool that you got to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, last time I went to New York City was in 2012 and I went for a podcast. Actually, I follow Rob has a, Rob has a podcast. Uh, they he covers a uh, Big Brother and Survivor, and I'm a patron of his, and he's somebody I really look up to. And uh, anyway, he had a live episode, and I actually went up for the live episode to New York, and uh, and then we saw um, Crazy for You, and that was really fun. So yeah, and the uh, the the last time I was there, we ended up seeing. Uh, seeing the musical memphis which mm. is uh, 
which is super underrated musical and i actually knew someone who was in the ensemble cast because he would come down to florida and he would do like broadway type stuff like or Mm -hmm. like workshops down in my middle school for like a week or two weeks and as a thank and as a thank you he invited all of our theater troupe to go see him in the play and uh and that that was like that play was like my first real like that was my first broadway musical that i really saw that was like really heavy where it was Mm -hmm. like i don't know what to to make of this it's good but it's like oh boy and heavy yeah if you it was actually an american in paris i always get those confused crazy for you in american paris but but anyway and then i i went twice in 2006 because my aunt was living in uh in new york city at the time so I took advantage. And so I went and saw a ton of shows in 2006. I went in like April and then in, uh, and then in the um, fall. And uh, so, and then I've been other times, but uh, it's the best. I I'm really looking forward to just having some time off, relaxing and enjoying as getting to, I'm probably most excited to just get to meet a bunch of my friends. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, that's always nice. I'm I'm gonna come out there to Utah one day, and we're gonna do a live thing together. I'm yeah, that will be really fun. <laughs> well, what are we talking about today? After that little jaunt through our our times in New York City, <laughs> we're going to be seeing what's all the hoopla about hoopla. I'll, I'll yes. make that pun work one day. <laughs> this is our fifth episode of hoopla that we've done. Yeah, and. Honestly, uh, honestly, like, I think the real hidden gem is not just what's on the service, but the service itself. I, I believe that's something you said a while back. But mm-hmm. honestly, the amount of stuff that's on Hoopla, and it's one of my favorites, because not only can you watch movies and TV on there, you can read comics, you can, you can listen to surf, you can listen to music on there. It's like audiobooks. It's just it's a far-reaching service. It's far more versatile. Plus, it's free if you have a library card. So mm-hmm. it, it's 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 low-key, like excellent. Yeah, my favorite price, free ninety-nine. I like to say. <laughs> well, let's dive in. Let's talk about some hidden gems that are on the hoopla. And I think, as you said, that the whole service itself is is really the hidden gem because you can get a lot of good stuff on there. And it's similar to Canopy. Canopy is a little more prestigious and Hoopla is a little more mainstream, but uh, they're both great and free. And so you really should check them out. Although Canopy has been kind of loosening their grip a little on the stuff that they allow on there. Because I remember I was just randomly scrolling one day and the Terminator was on there. And I was thinking, and I was thinking to myself, the Terminator is a really good movie. But like in the same ballpark as like pretty much all of A24's canon, it's like, here's Terminator, there's A24. It's like they're far away from each other. But when yeah, we do I mean, another- I don't know, though. I feel like there's a sort of prestige around Terminator, though, that it's like, I don't know. For some reason, I'm not surprised by that. But I, I can see what you're saying. But, uh, but anyway, let's dive into our picks for Hoopla. And why don't you go first? What is your first pick? So my first choice is a horror movie from the late 50s. And I've been I've been in a bit of a horror kick lately. Scary Mania is going on on my channel. 31 horror movie reviews in 31 days. And this is one of 
this is one of the movies that I will be reviewing. It is House on Haunted Hill, released in 1959 and directed by William Castle. If you don't know who he is, he's basically the king of the B-movie. He is known for a lot of things, but two relevant ones is that he was known, he and his production company were known for making a lot of movies, but on the cheap and on time. So like, I believe there was a quote somewhere that said if William Castle was still directing today, he would be doing at least like three or four movies a year and they'd all be under budget. Mm -hmm. That's who we're dealing with here. And William Castle was secretly, he was secretly like looking out for the future because he gave some guy named Francis Ford Coppola his start. And well, he went on to moderate success, I'd say. <laughs> but, uh, but House on Haunted Hill is widely considered to be Castle's like big thing, his masterpiece. It stars Vincent Price as a very wealthy man who invites a group of five or six people to his home and says, hey, my house is haunted. If you can stay the night, I'll pay you $10,000, no questions asked. And people are like, piece of cake. Turns out the house is actually haunted. And, and so, and well, terror ensues. This is a B movie. So it is very, it's very cheesy. It's very over the top, but that's kind of what makes it fun in, in that way. Vincent Price is in here. He's one of the great horror movie actors of all time and actors in general. People don't talk about Vincent Price anymore, I feel like, or they just remember him from like the Thriller music video, which his laugh is really good in that. And the monologue leading up to it is good also, but He's a really good actor and he's he's having a lot of fun here. He makes every scene that he is in. And all of the guests are are varying levels of kind of paranoid. There's one who is like, I'm not sure if I like this. And then there's one who's like, I'm getting five figures out of this. Uh, no, I'm staying. But the more and more weird stuff happens, the more it starts to get a little, uh, it starts to get a little skeezy. And so... This is a rather unique movie because not only is it on Hoopla, but it's also in the public domain. And it's weird because no one has picked up the rights to this, at, at least as far as I know. You would think with a movie like this, it would have been purchased by somebody, but it's still floating out there in the ether. You can find it anywhere in the Wayback Machine, on YouTube, like just search House of Haunted Hill on YouTube and it's right there. So it's funny how that situation works out but it's a scary time it's a fun scary time so if you haven't checked it out i recommend it and also funny note this there is a skeleton in the movie and the skeleton actually is credited on imdb as the skeleton it's <laughs> it's it's hilarious i had never heard of this as uh, so it's a very good pick for hidden gems uh i thought at first when i saw it that it was that um mike flanagan series the that the is haunting of hill house that's actually a bigger budget version of the same story. Okay. It's based off of, I believe it's called The Haunting of Blind Manor, if my memory serves. Well, Not there's both. There's Haunting of Blind Manor and then The Haunting of Hill House. That's the one, Hill House. I got the yeah. two mixed up. They're the same thing, but obviously the Flanagan one's much bigger budget, much more, much okay. more. When I... When I first saw it, I thought, oh, did he think we were doing Netflix this week instead of Oopla? No, no, they're, they're, they're the same thing. It, it's like, 
it's like another Vincent Price movie, The Last Man on Earth. It is, it's based on the same book as I Am Legend with Will Smith. They're mm. virtually the same movie. They're just key differences to where it's like, oh, right. it's clearly different, but they're based off of one thing. And so if you watch like both concurrently, then you're like, oh, there are some similarities mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't seen either. So I think that's it. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love Vincent Price. He's great. He's classic. And that sounds fun. Uh, all right. Well, my first pick is a movie called a man a man called ove and i love this book uh, by friedrich bachman if you are a hallmarkies fan uh we had our uh we do every month we do our romance reading wrap up and in that in that episode we talk about other books that we've been reading not all of them are romance books but in this last episode i talked about anxious people which is another book by friedrich bachman that i just read for book club and I loved that too. And he is just such a great writer. I, he does such he does a great job with characters, and you really come to know and understand and feel feel for these characters. He's just great with motive, character motivation and stories. And and this uh, he's a Swedish author, and his books have obviously been translated into English. And uh, this is a Swedish movie, and so it's in, got subtitles. Uh, but it is his most popular book is called a man called Ove. And this was actually got some attention from the Academy. It was nominated for best foreign film and uh, I want something else. I want to say adopted screenplay or something like that. But anyway, it got some attention from the Academy, which you don't always see for foreign films. It was nominated for best foreign film and best makeup and hairstyling for the Oscars. And so it got some attention uh from the academy and i just i really en- enjoy this whole story it's about it's, it's kind of similar to like uh, uh as good as it gets uh you know where you sort of have this curmudgeonly old man or gran torino those kinds of stories this curmudgeonly old man he's very sad because he lost his wife and he's basically considering suicide and then he meets this uh this uh, immigrant family, uh, Iranian family, and he starts kind of interacting with them and it starts to, they learn more about him. He learns more about them. Like I said, kind of like Gran Torino in a lot of ways. Uh, but, uh, but he's, he's definitely a little bit unlikable, but as you get to know him, get to understand his backstory, you start to feel for him and it's, it's, it's great. And I think Rolf Losgard is really great as Ove. He's very, he just captures that sort of again curmudgeonly old man kind of thing really well and i don't know how they supposedly they're making a u.s version of this movie with uh the story with tom hanks and i don't know how that is going to happen because how, how can how is that even possible tom <laughs> hanks is like one of the nicest people alive that's what i feel and and then also he just doesn't seem old enough like to be to be the part i don't know i don't get it we'll see whatever happens but but yeah it's a very good movie and it's a very good book better book so if you have if you're looking for a good book recommendation i couldn't recommend more highly friedrich bachman's books he is a very good writer and anxious people is very good uh he um it's it's about basically there's these um people they're all coming to look at an apartment 
And then all of a sudden it gets taken over by a um, bank robber. There's a hostage situation. And so it's all these people all in this like small space, all strangers, all interacting. You get to know all of them throughout the course of the book and uh, including the robber. It's really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I had heard of this movie. I've just never gotten around to see it. It just, you know, when I heard the when I heard the premise of this, uh, I I just was joking around in my head. No wonder the guy's so upset. His mother named him Ove. It's like it's one letter away from Oy Vey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's more common name in Sweden. I don't know, but like I said, if you if you are looking for a good book recommendation, I especially highly recommend the book. But since this is a movie podcast, I also recommend the movie. It's good too. <laughs> there, you know, there's there was a former pro wrestler and his name was Ole Anderson. And like O-L-E Anderson is like Ole and Ove. They could have formed mm-hmm. a team together. Yeah, I wonder if it's Scandinavian, if they have Scandinavian roots. Uh, but uh, all right, well, what's your next pick? So my next pick, is a follow-up to a pick that I made a very long time ago. I recommended Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, and I said that I would recommend the first movie one day. Well, that day is today. So my next choice is Hellboy from 2004. Coming from the mind of Guillermo del Toro, we all know who he is by now. Shape of Water, Pan's Labyrinth, I Could Go On, we all know who he is. This is based on the Dark Horse comics of the same name, Tells the story of a tells the story of a mission in World War II in which the Nazis tried to open the portal to seemingly hell to unlock the seven gods of chaos and bring the war to an end. It goes horribly wrong. However, something comes through the portal, the son of the devil himself, with a very large red right hand. Uh, Hellboy's played by Ron Perlman, and he's effectively the best and also the worst kept secret in the U.S. government, because as as Tom Manning, played by Jeffrey Tambor, I believe that's his name, it, he as he says, you, well, our guest just so happens to have a six, be six foot five, has is bright red, has a tail, and is government funded. So there is that. However, he's all he being Hellboy pronouns, Hellboy is tasked with finding demonic creatures and putting a stop to them if necessary. This could have been so easily just like a like a demon hunter fights demons movie. There is the elements of that. However, because this is Del Toro, it makes you feel sorry for the more or well, the creatures that are not of this world and, and in a very real way. Hellboy is is the son of the devil, yes, but he feels, he has emotions. There is a subplot where he falls in love with a woman named named Elizabeth, played by, uh, shoot, I can't remember her name right now, uh, Selma Blair. I believe. Selma Blair, yeah. Yeah, Selma Blair. And she has the power to shoot fire from her hands and set other things on fire. And and she knows that she is like we can't be together because I'm I'll hurt you and just that can't happen so it's very tragic there uh Hellboy's friend if you want to call him is named Dr. Abe Sapien who is a who is a basically the creature from the Black Lagoon except legally distinct from the creature from the Black from the Black Lagoon he's played by Doug Jones he's a lot of fun 
Uh, Hellboy's father, or the guy that recovers him, is Dr. Trevor Broom, played by the late John Hurt. May he rest in peace. They have a nice relationship together. And this is just... This is just a comic book movie that never really gets made anymore. There's so much detail here. There's so much practical effects. And there is CGI, and that's good as well. But all of Hellboy's makeup is... is It's literally Ron Perlman in the makeup. Must have been... Must have been really hard to get in and out of that makeup all the time. But it, but it makes it all the better. And whenever you see something mystical they do as much practical stuff as possible. So when you see the CGI, you recognize there's a tactical world and that the CGI also exists. It's a tool, it's not the entire canvas, for lack of a better word. This is far darker than Hellboy 2, so be prepared for that. However, if you're looking for comic book movies off the beaten path, I can't recommend Hellboy number one enough. I mean. They should have done Hellboy 3 with Del Toro, but they didn't, and we got the really awful one with Michael Shannon, but let's not talk about that. Yeah, I've seen this, and I remember thinking it was pretty good. Uh, I, I can't remember a ton of, about it, but I remember thinking that it was it was pretty entertaining and nice to see something kind of small and like where there isn't a huge beam battle and then at the end, you know, kind of a thing, uh, which is you know in a lot of even good comic book movies it's nice to see something on a smaller scale sometimes yeah and i just and i love i i think i brought this up but i love just how detailed everything all the characters are not just like in their character arcs but like how detailed how detailed the creatures look like ape sapien looks like a real like fish man he has to wear this apparatus out in public because he can't breathe above water so he's got to wear this water harness thing mm -hmm. whenever he's outside and he's got actual gills and and his hands whenever he sticks it to something he can see like the readings of it through the door and hellboy is not just like plain red and that's it like his hand is so detailed and like he's got squiggles in it and lines and it just oh, this movie's so good it really is del toro went above and beyond like on mm -hmm. this one well, my next pick is on a much smaller scale than, oh boy, um, left turn, as you like to say. Uh, it's left. a movie called Autumn Stables, and this is a, it's not a Hallmark movie, but it's made by the same people who make Hallmark movies. I think you can watch it on Hallmark movies now on the streaming service. Anyway, it's called Autumn Stables, and it's it's actually a, a really good one of this kind of story. When I first heard the story, I was like, oh, that sounds really boring. But I actually really enjoyed it. It stars Cindy Busby as this woman who, uh, her husband has passed away. She's still deep grieving, and she has to sell her uh, her farm and stables. And she sells it to Kevin McGarry, who makes a promise to her. That he's not going to destroy the, uh, uh, the the stables, but his real plan is to build on the land. And as as they come to get to know each other better, then it, of course she feels very betrayed when she finds out that this is the case. Uh, and I, it's it is a familiar story, but I thought it was very well executed, and I thought they had nice chemistry, and I really like Cindy, and I like uh, Kevin. So that was really fun to see them together. 
And uh, we have actually this week on Hallmarkies podcast, we have our ranking video with Cindy Busby ranking her movies. And uh, that's kind of a fun series that we do where we invite the actors on and we actually rank their movies right with them there, which is kind of crazy, but a lot of fun. Autumn Stables was not on that ranking because it's not actually a Hallmark movie, but uh, but it's still, if people are want a really fun listen, you should check that out. It's, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I was looking it up on IMDb and according to them, you can watch it on Hallmark movies now. So yeah. that'll clear okay. that one up. There we go. So I, I think, it, it was good and they brought the emotion uh, in because she, you know, she's just lost her husband and everything like that. So uh, what about you? What's your next pick? Well, remember your hard left. Well, now it's my turn for a hard left. Uh, this is a movie from 2011 directed by Lynn Ramsey and it is called We Need to Talk About Kevin. Uh, this is a movie that I remember, I remember watching this for the first time really vividly. I think I think I remember watching this from Hoopla, just randomly. I, I remember watching Chris Stuckman's review of it, not when it came out, but like a really long time afterwards. And and I was like, I need to find this movie and watch it. And it turns out I found it on Hoopla. And as I like to say, I was not prepared. It essentially tells the story of a woman named Tilda, or not named Tilda Swinton, but she's played by Tilda Swinton who is, I think, I believe that she's a free spirit and she, she had, and she, she finds this man played by John C. Riley, and they, they hook up and she unexpectedly gets pregnant and she is not a fan of that at all, but she gives birth to a baby boy and she does not like being a mother at all. And so to the point that the son kind of begins to notice and rebel but not like in the rebellion that you would see in like wearing a leather jacket or getting a barbed wire tattoo or drinking no it's much darker than that and the boy grows up to be played by Ezra Miller the the grown-up version is played by Ezra Miller this is one this is a very dark movie that's all I will say I actually was contemplating whether or not I should recommend it here but because People actually watch my recommendations on here. I remember one time, as one time, I, we got quote tweeted, and someone was like, "My husband and I are watching Unstoppable, and I am on the, I, I am on pins and needles right now." And I was like, "Depending on where she is in the movie, it's going to get a lot worse." Because <laughs> rest in peace to Chris Pine's foot. But um, this is. This is an incredibly dark movie, that's all I will say. However, I do recommend that everybody watch it at, at least one time. That's why I'm recommending it, because it is incredibly well acted. Tilda Swinton is Tilda Swinton. We all know who she is. John C. Riley is really good. I keep expecting to think that John C. Riley has done nothing but comedies, and he has done more than a few, but he also had these littler roles that he's really good in that almost don't get any attention. Ezra Miller just, he's not a good person in this movie, and which is, I guess, is a testament to his acting. But I mean, it just, it, you could tell he gives a good performance in this movie because I stopped seeing Ezra Miller, the actor, and I saw this person and how I just did not like him at all. Mm -hmm. And really, that's all I feel like saying about this movie because 
it has one of the most shocking endings I think I've ever seen. That's all I will say. If you haven't seen it, like I said, I recommend watching it at least one time. But be prepared for what you are about to see. Yeah, I've heard that. I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard that it's pretty intense. So, <laughs> yeah. it, it's one of those. It, it's one of those movies that I, I believe I saw in a review once, where it'll it'll question whether or not you want to become a mother to begin with. So that's kind of the, kind of what you're in for. Well, my next pick <laughs> is going back to the uh, 18, what, the 1850s, 60s, whatever, Victorian times. And we are talking about Nicholas Nickleby. And I think this is a really great example of a hidden gem because this movie just came and went. Nobody talked about it. Nobody saw it. Uh, and it but has a great cast. Charlie Hunnam plays Nicholas Nickleby. Uh, and you have Nathan Lane, Jim Broadbent, Christopher Plummer, Jamie Bell, Anne Hathaway, Alan Cumming, uh, the list goes on and on. So an incredible cast. And uh, Christopher Plummer in this movie is so duplicitous. He is so evil. And in like a very like realistic way, like there's nothing campy or over the top. He's just a super bad dude. And <laughs> he's great at it. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, it's a great story, classic story. You've got, you know, your Dickens and everything like that. Uh, but Nicholas is a very likable character that you're rooting for. His relationship with Anne Hathaway is very sweet and uh, character, that character. And it's, you know, just this journey of this character uh, after his father um, is, uh, I think it, it's just a really sweet story about he is trying to redeem his family. His father gets into gambling and has all this debt and so he goes and he tries to uh, tries to change the future with work uh, by working with his uncle, who's played by Christopher Plummer. And Christopher Plummer, like I said, is just terrible. He is so such a villain in this movie. <laughs> I mean, he's great at it, but he is very, very, very mean. Uh, and so it's a great movie uh, that I don't think enough people talk about. You know, I only know Charlie Hunnam from like stuff like Pacific Rim or his run in Sons of Anarchy. And so I for I keep forgetting that he's actually an English man. And like I've seen him, I've only heard him do like an American accent because he did it for so long on Sons. So whenever I see him in an interview speaking British, I'm like, wait, that that's not right, is it? And and then I have to remind myself, oh, he's actually British. He just does a really good American accent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's a good actor. He's, I think, in general, an underrated actor uh, in movies like Lost City of Z and this and a lot of others. So what is your next pick? Yeah, uh, so my next pick is, is, and this is walking the tightrope because this is on the AFI's top 100 list. It's widely considered a classic. However, as far as like great American Westerns go, I think that this is often forgotten in the discussion. It's called High Noon. Uh, this stars Gary Cooper as a sheriff of what appears to be just a one-horse town. And when the movie begins, it is simultaneously his last day on the job and the day he is supposed to be married. However, he learns that a famed outlaw that he put behind bars has been released and is coming back to town for revenge. 
However, as he is preparing to to meet the outlaw, the town is not too happy that this is going going for a round two, and consistently either either try and convince him to get out or just forcefully tell him just get out of here. Uh, when I when I first saw when I saw this movie to review it for the AFI project, it was like I I was like. I got so sucked into it when the townspeople were like, oh, get out of here. We don't need you. It was like the sheriff would be like, um, okay, but I only just tried to protect you. So I guess I'm, I guess I'm shoplifter, I guess. But the more I thought about it, the more it was, it was a lot deeper than that. Uh, this movie stars Gary Cooper, who was, uh, who was a legend. And this was, I believe if my memory serves me right, one of his last performances. I'll have to look it up later, but I believe his career was winding down by this point. I'm either thinking of him or Alan Ladd, but but Gary Cooper is a legend and he's really good here. And he really steals every frame because he starts out really happy and then he realizes, oh, this person's coming back to town. I gotta, I gotta go to work one last time. And when the people are like, uh, we'd rather take him than you it's kind of heartbreaking because he knows that he like he has to meet this head on and protect this town no matter what and the people are just being generally ungrateful this is lacking in a lot of like shootouts so be prepared for that this isn't like there isn't a really big shootout at the end it's literally i think you can count the number of bullets fired in this movie on one hand and have fingers to spare but what makes the movie good is the dialogue between Gary Cooper and the town and his future wife and all of that. It, this movie is really good. Yeah, this is really good. Even if you think, oh, I don't like Westerns because I'm not like the biggest Westerns person, but this is really about these characters, not as much about like traditional Western tropes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's also interesting to learn about how this movie was made. Uh, because the director, Fred Zinnemann, was on the Hollywood blacklist, that whole deal with the, the communists and all of that. And he was eventually, I believe this was the last movie he made before he was put on the list. Again, I, I have to look through my review notes because I typed out a whole big thing, but, but, uh, but it, was a, it was a scary time because it was like he and Dalton Trumbo and mm -hmm. just a bunch of people who were on the list and and I believe if Zin if I believe I read in an interview that Zinman tied that whole blacklist thing into this movie, and like I said, I'll I'll have to look into my notes, but it's it's one of those movies that's almost as fascinating to look up how it was made rather than watching the whole thing in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, my next pick is a very strange comedy. I I've realized this last week or so that I like strange comedies that other people don't seem to like because I really enjoyed Venom 2. I thought it was hilarious. And I also think this very weird comedy called Raising Arizona is very funny. Um, this is by the Coen brothers and uh, it's uh, their comedies don't always work for me, but this one is really funny. It's Nicolas Cage, Holly Hunter, and they play this couple that are, aren't able to have a baby. They want to have a baby. They hear there's this family that has uh, uh quince i think anyway they have multiples and the, they say we have more than we can handle in a news news uh thing 
So they say, well, they've got more than they can handle. Let's go take the baby. And so they go and they take the baby and it's, I mean, normally that would be obviously in real life. If somebody kidnapped a baby, that would be terrible. And, but this movie is very absurd and crazy and it's a, it's, you can't, you can't take it that seriously. It's a very silly movie and very funny. Um, so yeah, it's one of my favorite of the Coen Brothers comedies. Yeah, the uh, the Coens are are filmmakers that just when you think they're going to do one thing, they do like a three or like a one eighty and do a completely different thing. Like I remember their most recent movie was Hail Caesar, which is this, which is a comedy. And yeah, I didn't like it. Did you like it? No, I was not a fan. And it's yeah. sad because the, because the cast was awesome. George mm-hmm. Clooney, Josh Brolin, Francis McDormand, Jonah Hill, Alden Ehrenreich, God bless him. He did have the best moments of the movie, but I don't yeah. know. I just was not a fan. But and Great. then then at the end of this year, the Coen brothers are going to be doing doing Macbeth for A24. This black and white, very, very like just Oh, is that Coen Brothers? I didn't know that. Yeah, Joel Cohen is directing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, I that'll be interesting. I I you know I like Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I like That Sucker Proxy. I like Fargo. They have a lot of great movies. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Hail Caesar really fell flat for me. Yeah, Big Big Lebowski is one of my all time favorites. Oh Brother Where Art Thou is super underrated. As I just love the Cohen brothers. They're like, okay, you know what? We can do Homer's Odyssey or we can do Homer's Odyssey and set it into <laughs> yeah. the Depression era South and have George Clooney sing kind of badly, but still sing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's your last pick? So my last choice is a mini series from the brilliant mind of Ken Burns. It is called The Roosevelt's An Intimate History. Oh, during the early days of the pandemic, when everything was just closed, I figured that this would be my opportunity to catch up on Ken Burns. And I ended up watching like the first half of baseball and but I watched all of the Roosevelts and the Roosevelts are just fascinating human beings Teddy especially because if you know anything about Teddy Roosevelt he grew up with a litany of ailments like he was asthmatic like he had like a certain amount of time to live but he was just like never tell me the odds and he just he just basically flipped any odd that he had on his head like he became president he fought in wars like he's just he's just an amazing human being and then there's fdr I mean, we all know who he is longest president in american history had polio but still operated from office anyway all the things of world war ii his relationship with eleanor which the movie does a very intimate deep dive on how that whole thing worked and this is a Ken Burns production, so it is of incredible quality. And it, when, I, when, when I was watching it, I was consistently asking myself, who did Ken Burns have to like raid to get photos like that? It's like, you can't just go to the library and find things like that. You have to send probes out there and be like, hey, can we let us borrow your photos for like a couple hours so we can, we can look through them? It just fascinating stuff it just i love these little series like this where it focuses on like a family because the roosevelts like him or not were a dynasty of like the 
late 1800s, early 1900s. It just will never see their light again for, for, for a variety of reasons. But the Roosevelts are just very interesting and fascinating people. And who better than Ken Burns to illustrate their life? I mean, I don't think Ken Burns has made a bad thing in his whole career. No, I agree. I really love his documentaries. Uh, most recently, his one, A Country Music, was great. And I think that was 2019. And uh, I've seen this one as well. And it's it's one of his not, it's not as long as some of his other ones. Uh, so if you're... <laughs> If you're not uh, for a really long miniseries, then this one might be a good choice. Uh, and I also am looking forward to his new one coming out on Muhammad Ali. That one will be really good. That's going to be fascinating. Because mm-hmm. all of his uh, documentaries all have to do with the American story in, in one facet or another, uh, whether it's the Civil War or he's done ones on basically all the conflicts. He did one in Vietnam, one on the Pacific, one on the World War II. Uh, he's done um, just, I don't know, he's done one on baseball, one on jazz, and just all different ones. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, yeah, so my- one, uh, oh. one, last, one last note on Teddy Roosevelt before we move on. Teddy Roosevelt survived an assassination attempt because he kept his really long speech and his glasses case in his breast pocket. And mm-hmm. so when the bullet entered, it was stopped. Not only was he shot, he walked up on stage and said, hey, y'all, I just got shot. And here I am speaking anyway. It's it's so epic. I mean, forgive me for saying this, but Teddy Roosevelt was based. He really was. Mm-hmm. He really was. Yeah, yeah. Well, my last pick is a little hidden gem romantic comedy called Last Chance Harvey. And this stars Emma Thompson and Dustin Hoffman. And they had been in Stranger Than Fiction, which I also love, but they didn't have that many scenes together in that in that movie, but they have good scenes together. But I guess they'd gotten along so well that they wanted to do another project. And so then they did this movie together. And it's a very simple, but very well done little movie about uh harvey he is this man who is over in london for his daughter's wedding he's kind of estranged from his daughter uh, but he's trying to uh, be involved it's it's hard because he has she has a really strong relationship with his his ex-wife's new husband or uh husband and uh, so he, he sees him constantly being kind of replaced and that's hard and anyway, he's just in a, he's lost his job. He's just struggling. He's in this really low place. He ends up meeting Emma Thompson's character, who is also very lonely. Uh, she has to deal with her mom and going on these blind dates and just uh, you know, struggling. Anyway, they meet at this airport bar and they hit it off and they basically end up spending the next like 48 hours together. And he, and it's just a, a really good character study. And it's nice to see like an older, more mature kind of romance and they have great chemistry. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a good one. I like it. Yeah. This is one of my mom's comfort movies. Whenever it's mm. on, I always see her watching it. It's either this one, Nights in Rodanthe, uh, Something's Gotta Give with Diane Keaton and Jack mm. Nicholson. And I think there's one other, but it's escaping me at the minute. But it's legit like those three. Whenever they're on, like, whenever they're on, I always like see her watching it. It was actually a 
it was actually a bit of a joke whenever I would go to the library and be like, hey, mom, I'm going to drop some stuff off at the library. You want me to get you Knights of Knights and Rodanthe? And she'd be like, she'd roll her eyes, but secretly she'd be like, you know what, maybe I can watch it again. <laughs> but it, it, Last Chance Harvey's one of her, one of her comfort movies for certain. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it is a, uh, a very sweet little, little movie. So there we go. We did it. We covered Hoopla for our fifth episode of Hoopla. So, <laughs> so let us know what you think of our recommendations. If you've seen any of these movies, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you've been watching anything on Hoopla, we'd love to hear about it in the, in the comments section. So let us know what you've been watching. And Ryan, how can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there is, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, I want to thank everybody. My channel is at 174 subscribers. I'm one away from 175, and then I'll be 15 away from 200. So I, I, I don't mean to like, I, I'm certainly not trying to be like a subscriber beggar or anything, but if you haven't checked out my channel, please do. I would love to hit 200 by the end of the year. I started up my Scary Mania series throughout all of October, 31 horror movies, movie reviews in 31 days. I've covered so far The Golem from 1920, Hexen from 1922, and today The Hunchback of Notre Dame, not the Disney movie, the one from 1923 starring Lon Chaney Sr. Uh, tomorrow I'll be entering the 30s with 1931's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, also 1931's M from Fritz Lang, and then the day after that, will be Freaks from Todd Browning. So, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a super fun month over the channel. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. Yeah, y'all should definitely check it out and make sure you check out Disney Scares Month going on. This is my sixth year, I believe, doing Disney Scares Month. And I have the collab with Lee from Drum Dums that we talked about the original Under Wraps. And then we're gonna be talking next Monday about the remake. And uh, I also have a bunch of other fun Disney Scares Month videos coming. So make sure you like and subscribe. And then also check out Hallmarkies podcast. Really great interview with uh, director David Weaver this week. Uh, it was If you want to learn a little bit about the behind the scenes of making a movie, uh, all that goes into it, it was a really good discussion. So I highly recommend that. Plus, like I said, we have the Cindy Busby ranking. So it's a great week uh, for homework's podcast and uh, lots of fun stuff going on and uh, thanks so much everybody uh, please like this video please subscribe to the channel i'd appreciate that so much and uh, if you're listening on itunes please leave your ratings and reviews we really appreciate that and if you are uh, i already said that so if you're if you are listening on itunes please leave your ratings and reviews i really appreciate that and uh, thanks so much uh, ryan it's always so much fun and uh, we'll talk uh, next week. Next week, we're doing Netflix. So that should be fun. <laughs> so bye, everyone. Bye.